podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Wednesday's episode of a Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Fowler and once again I am joined down the line by Joel Sked. Hello Joel. Hello Craig. Hello, how's it going? Yeah, fine. Yeah. Uh, is it same old, work. same old really? Yeah, work's just, work's work. It works. So work used to be really good where you knew you're, you're, you'd, be doing some, you'd be doing some shite. But then you knew you had a game to cover the weekend. Yeah, uh, which was which is definitely the most enjoyable day of work. But it's um, it's just it's just more shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been trying to I've been to be fair I've been trying to um, I've, tr- I've been trying to eke out time to to write stuff. So uh, I'm hopefully going to write something on St Johnston either after this podcast or first thing tomorrow. Fair enough. Right, let's uh, get to it. It's a, it's a final. It's a final top twelve of uh, positions. Although we might have to yes. come up with some something else for the future because it doesn't look like football is going to start anytime soon. And we've now run out of top twelves after today's, and it's only the sixth of May. So yeah, we might have to try and come up with other ideas for top twelve. We're going to do top twelve managers in the SPFL, maybe overall. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. Or shout. Frank and top flight ones or something like that. Um, just have a missing space for St Johnson. Uh, St. Johnson fans listening, obviously, are going, well, you didn't mention us anyway, so... Nah. They got a podcast for themselves. <laughs> they did, they did on Monday. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying, yeah. Listen to it, it was very good. Yes, and uh, yeah, I think we might mention some St. Johnson players here. I'm certainly going to mention uh, at least one. Uh, uh, and... I am I'm not, this is, I wanted to start... By, with a kind of um, well, well let's go let's go into that. So it's the, the top twelve strikers is this list, and I, I'll I'll start this week then because at night, my number twelve I have a combination. Uh, I've done it again. I've done it in the second half once. I've done it again here. Uh, I've got a combination of Stevie May and Calum Henry. Right. Okay. So I um, if I thought about that, I would have, and I would probably chuck in Chris Kane as well for this season. Because I think I think all three have had their I think all three have had their moments. And you see, if the the league season hadn't been cut short and we played up until uh, well, up until when we were meant to, I think maybe one of them on their own would have uh, would have probably been in both of our lists. Because you look at it, that uh, Chris Kane is Chris Kane. I'll come back to him. Stevie May has had is. Uh, I just kind of continued on his uh, trajectory of kind of going downwards when he arrived at St. Johnson. But after building a bit more confidence up, Tommy Wright spoke about it, that he wanted uh, the Stevie May of old back, even though it infuriated him, because he would just have so much confidence and he would shoot from everywhere. He would just, he would, he would just know that when he's in with sight of goal, he kind of expects to score. He's bettered his all-round game. But there's that kind of confidence which would be missing. But it certainly looked like it was coming back. And then Callum Hendry probably didn't play as much as he would have liked. When he did play, he had a real impact. So it was for me, it was awkward because all three, I think, have had 
positive seasons and certainly were on the up before the postponement. But over the case, I just, I, I just couldn't make a case for one of them to get into my top 12. Yeah, I've, uh, there's probably a couple of... There's, there's two players that I think will be on your list that aren't on mine. Uh, and I think that might have, that's freed up the space for the St. Johnson boys to get into their, their dual act at number 12. So Stevie May, yeah, you kind of mentioned it. They are, the, the impressive thing about May is how much better a lot of his game is from when he was the Stevie May of old. And it's just... You kind of it's it's good and bad uh, at the same time. It's it's good that you see somebody who has kind of lost a bit of the. I mean, with these these knee injuries, he's lost a kind of a step, and he's also lost a lot of confidence, obviously as well. That kind of he's lost kind of some his explosiveness from his kind of first spell, kind of breaking through at St. Johnson, and yeah, as I mentioned, it's about the self belief. But he has he's somebody who works himself. Very hard, uh, makes intelligent runs, uh, can be quite selfless, uh, can link well with teammates. He can even do a little bit of work. He's not brilliant at it, but he can do a little bit of work where he's back to goal as well. And it kind of, it, the reason why it's quite sad is that, he, well, he's, he's worked on these other things and he's slowly building himself back up to the fact that if Stevie May would come back next season, have a full season, would you be that surprised if Stevie May got like 15 goals? No, he probably would not because he's, he's looked a bit better, especially since kind of the turn of the year. But at the same time, with all these facets that he's added uh, on top of the young player that he was, you kind of think, well, if he hadn't had those injuries, how good could Stevie May have been? And mm-hmm. that's that's the kind of depressing point. Callum Hendry, uh, just he kind of reminds me of he didn't have to move away to to be like this, but he's kind of improvement over the season. He reminds, reminds me a little bit of Kevin Nisbet. So Nisbet obviously went down through the the, the leagues in order to do it, but. It's kind of like a similar what I thought of them as kind of strikers and kind of I looked at Kevin as a bit of part of this one just like it was a big lump that didn't really do anything and I kind of thought that I'm Callum Hendry to start with but the more confidence that comes into their game Nisbet from going down levels and, and managing to find uh, confidence from playing against you know easier defenders as opposed to just getting five ten minutes here and there for Park Thistle and Hendry with just just patience really and perseverance and showing that he's got more mobility than I realised before that he's mm-hmm. somebody who can give defenders a, a tough time uh, with his strength and with the fact that he's just one of these kind of forwards that you see a bit more these days, the strapping lads who are able to have a bit of dynamism as well and he, I think, has scored in the double figures this season as well, is he not? I think, he's one, one, I think he's one short but the big thing, for the big takeaway for, for me is that he's got the third best goals per 90 minutes record in the in the top flight. No, that's, that is quite impressive and does bode well for next season. So who's your number 12? My number 12 is, I would at the start of the season, if I was putting him in, I would have thought, well, wow, there's been some really bad strikers in, in the league. It's uh, Hamilton's Marius Ogimpo. I don't have him. But the reason I've gone for him is, well, the couple of reasons I've gone for him. He, again, it's, it's not a massive... Uh, it's not massive praise to do this, but he absolutely bossed Hearts <laughs> on this season. And I've, the, 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 I came away from that game thinking, the reason Hearts are going to go down, well, one of the reasons Hearts are going to go down is because they can't keep Ogunpo and David Mo- uh, Moyle. Just two kind of, you think, kind of basic strikers who are physical, they have got a presence. They're qu- quite quick 
their inability to keep them quiet is is really concerning. But over the piece, Ogunpo, I think he's, he's a really important player to uh, to Hamilton. He's maybe not quite talismanic, but he's certainly a facilitator in that. In in the final third, I spoke to my um, uh, spoke to my pal used to work for used to work for Hamilton or currently still does, and he was he he's been impressed with him across the season. Just how effective he is at. Being just being being a nuisance and um, nuisance and being that focal point in attack for Hamilton, the, the, the there's no doubt that he's improved uh, over the course of uh, since since joining Hamilton. He's turned into a bit of more of a goal threat, and it's just it's it's he's just a he's a, he's a player that Hamilton require in attack, and he does the job exactly what what's needed. So he, he's I think he's snuck into my list ahead of some others just because of how important he is to the team he plays for. I think he, he's I'm gonna accuse you of recency bias a little bit because I think he had his best spell up until the stop uh, the stoppage. And before then I've never really been that impressed by him. So that was well, I was more kind of thinking along the lines of his his body of work at Aki's where for most of the time I've kind of been like eh then always thought there was kind of better strikers at the club. Probably is our best striker now, and he was pretty good up until you know the the lockdown or you know whatever else we want to call it. Uh, but yeah, not quite there for for my list. I did think about him for briefly, but uh, yeah, I mean he he scored one. He's he scored two. He scored five goals in his final one, two, three, four, five, six. Five goals in the last seven games before the uh, before yeah. the postponement. So it's uh, it, it, it it probably has altered my view. My Two of which came against Hearts. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just discounting those. Uh, my number 11 is Christopher Long from Motherwell. Okay, I don't have him. Right. Uh, I I was wrong. He was somebody I was wrong about last summer when I watched clips of Long. I didn't... I kind of liked aspects of his game. I liked the way he ran the channels. Uh, I liked his kind of technique. But I didn't really see too much else out of him. At Motherwell, he's shown a lot more than that. He's shown himself to be just a, a terrific pest and attack. Somebody who... It's just going to annoy defenders all day long. Do just so much running for the team, uh, not just in terms of you know running channels, but also uh, you know leading for the front in terms of pressing opposing defenders. Just being a little bit of a shit as well. It uh, mm-hmm. noises up opponents, and he's more of a goal threat than I thought he was going to be before he arrived in Scottish football because he's never really been. I think throughout his career, I think he's barely ever broken double figures. But I'm just going to double check this. I'm sure that he's managed to do it this campaign. Uh, at least in all competitions, as I just yeah, no, he's got eleven in all competitions. Yeah, so eleven in thirty-one games, so not a t- tremendous record, but one in three, not too bad. Yeah, so he was. I think it was between him and uh, Ogunpo to get into my list. I like I like Long. Uh, I think there was a bit, especially even uh, Robinson, if I remember correctly, dropped them for a wee bit in terms of us, uh, like this, this starting striker, but. The, the the main aspect I like about him is that he can he can create goals from himself and score uh, score it with nothing, which is which is massive. If you have a if you have a striker like that in your team, especially uh, below the old farm, that is that's huge. It's someone you can fire the ball into, and even if you don't have support, it can hold off defenders. He's got quite an accurate shot. I think he's fast. He's um, He's deceptively quick as well, and yeah. he's he's got a bit of belt from him. He can he can take care of himself. I like so. I, Probably sh- over the over the season, probably should have put him in, in ahead of uh, Ogunpo, but there, there wasn't much uh, for me, so I can understand why he he's on your list. So, who's your number eleven? My number eleven is Eamon Brophy. Oh, I've got him um, higher, not too much higher, but higher. 
the uh, to be, I'm, I'm trying to think. Sorry, I uh, sorry, I've I've, uh, I've 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 read that read that wrong. Sorry, my number my number eleven is Jonathan Abika. <laughs> I've got him number ten, so we can pretty yeah, much just do him. Sorry, Eamon right Eamon Brophy's number ten. Jonathan Abika's uh, number eleven. That's my inability to read. So Jonathan Abika. <laughs> I thought uh, again, so, someone at the start of the season was like, "To some, when you when I first see players, especially if they just came into the league, and knowing that we do these top twelve lists at the end of the season, after the first couple of games, I thought, well, he is getting nowhere near my yeah. top twelve list. But over the season, I, I really liked his um, maybe not quite a, a story, but he certainly his progression at St Mirren and how he's become a key player. The when you when you first see him, he came up from England. You first right, he's he's he looks like he's going to be uh, an Uchi type who initially has a, has an impact, and then when defenders get used to him, then he's like easy to play against, and he, he kind of falters. But it was kind of being the opposite, he missed a few decent chances early on, but certainly grew in confidence. And again, similar to Ogunpo, is a really important presence and attack for St. Mary. And he's someone that can he can fire the ball into to his chest, to his feet and he's not too bad at holding up. But also you can go long uh, and he can, he can stretch defences and, and kind of go in behind and, uh, and score. I think his poor start maybe down to the lack of football, or certainly at least the yeah. lack of football at kind of this level. He's been on loan for a lot of his career as well, played, like, I think he was at Spurs for ages and just kind of moved about constantly. So there's maybe something to do with that. Maybe he just wasn't quite up to speed. Uh, but since then, he's been very, very effective, very powerful player. Basically, I think the best way to describe Obika for anybody who's not seen him uh, and who has, who have seen Uchiek Pezu, is that think of Uchiek Pezu, uh, slightly, a little bit less strength, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, a touch. And that's probably what you're looking at. And can score. Yeah, with Obika, I think there's... I think the best way to separate the two is that he he seems to have direction in his game. He knows when he's on the pitch, he knows uh, where to go, when to go, and why to go there. Whereas Uchi falls into the same trap, i.e. gets the ball and then turns around and kind of backs backs his way to go. Yeah. Okay, so use my number 10, Abika, so your number 10 is? So mine's is Eamon Brophy. Oh, yeah, sorry, you said that. Eamon Brophy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Long move Trophy. Yeah, so I don't think it's, it's certainly not been as a productive season as it was last last campaign uh, for for Brophy, but I, he falls in again. He falls into that um, that Obika mode, that uh, Ogbo mode, in that he is really important to the way Kilmarnock play, especially when they've got a uh, when they've not got a lot of goals in the final third. They've not got a lot of attacking options. I think it's helped the way Kabamba coming coming back in. You can see it before the the postponement of the the postponement of the league, how much Brophy found his scoring touch a game. And I don't think that's uh um a huge huge surprise at that he's maybe got a bit more freedom since Kelly brought in some more alternatives to to, to maybe help him. So he's got um He's got, I think he scored six in his last six or seven uh, in the league, which is um, which is a fantastic return, especially when he hit, a, hit quite a dry spell. But I just I just love Brophy's energy to the game, what he can what he can offer Kilmarnock. I mean, he's shooting. 
his shooting is so infuriating at times, and I, I can only imagine what it's like being a Kilmarnock fan having to kind of suffer. Um, that's, the, that, that's the main reason he's because he's not as low down for me on my list, but he is still fairly low down. He's outside the top half, and that is that is one of the main reasons why. Because you can maybe forgive it if he occasionally scores a fucker. He doesn't really, does he? No, it, it doesn't. Um, I'm just I'm trying to think. He's it's, it's, it's not a it's not a regular for his. If, consider he's hit he's hit 84 shots. Yeah, it's the third most third most in the league. He scores some decent goals with some decent finishes, uh, but they're usually ones where he's kind of played through, uh, like maybe one on one with the last defender, and he, he takes a yard and he hits it across the goalkeeper, that kind of thing. But I, I've really seen him hit a shot from like a bad angle, and it, it's like, well, it, obviously it's rare for any forward to do that, but I've not seen anything that should encourage him to be hitting these shots from like tough angles or you know on the turn from twenty five yards, and it's like, well. That, that time that one flew in, so you can see why he's trying it. No, I think I've ever seen David Brophy score a goal like that. He's he's hit, um, he's hit shot, 39 shots from outside the box, more than any <laughs> other player in the league. I can't even imagine he scored, he maybe scored rather one. I, off the top of my head, I can't, I can't, remember, I can't think of a screamer he's, he's yeah, scored. Uh, but what he, what he brings to Kilmarnock and, and his energy and just being, just being a nuisance... Just, I, I just like a, a striker who uh, has a willingness to run, and I, th- I think that's so important for just no matter what level you're at, is if you have an ability to to run and work, you you're putting doubt even with uh, without the ball, you're putting doubt in opposition players' heads, especially def- def- defenders. If defenders know that they have to be switched on for ninety minutes, then that's that's that takes its toll on defenders, and they know that one little slip. Of concentration, they've got this uh, this real nuisance. It's going to yeah. pounce. So I've got Brophy just a, a little bit uh, lower on my list. My number nine is somebody who should be uh, number five on the list, or probably even yeah, probably just that. We'll settle with five. Uh, but it's the fact it's to do with his character. It's to do with the fact that he can barely be arsed half the time, and he plays rubbish as a result. But when he turns it on, he's a very good player. Somebody who's just can be completely dominant in this league, can just absolutely not only ragdoll defenders, run rings around them, score goals, but he just doesn't show enough, and that's why he's number nine on my list, and that's Florian Camberry. Same, same. Well, there we yeah. go. Cheers to that. It's, I think I just if you want to add any more to that, I think I summed it up. Like Camberry's brilliant at holding the ball up. He's got a decent bit of movement. He can finish. He can set up for other players. He's obviously big. He's a good technical footballer. He's really got a lot going for him. But the problem with Florian Camberry is Florian Camberry. Yeah, I can't. I can't add a lot to that. I really like him as a player. Really impressing. He's someone you appreciate even more when you watch him and play. Just the movement, watch him in person, the movements he makes. I really like, uh, like a striker who peels off and takes the ball at the angle and it kind of drives in. He's he's, he's He's pacey. He's got a he's got a good touch. It can sometimes be erratic, but I think he has overall. When he's again comes down to focus, when he's focused, he's got a really good touch. Uh, he's, he's passing is, is quite sharp as well, and he is that type of person. You go back to Chris Long, can create chances for himself out of nothing. You can he, he can score goals, but it's just um, again just maybe comes down to that that attitude. Yeah, and that's why I had him nine. That's why I had him below even Eamon Brophy, who's my number eight. Uh, I can't really add too much to what you said already about Brophy. Just somebody who not only 
not only is he a pest in attack, he is also like a, a pretty decent footballer as well up there. He, he can, he has led the line for Kelly a lot of the time, and you wouldn't necessarily look at someone of Brophy's stature and say, "Yeah, you'll you'll do for me as a one up front." Especially mm-hmm. before they signed, you know, Kabamba, where he was basically for a lot of this season one up front, and nobody other than you know Rory McKenzie coming off the left or Chris Burke coming off the right, not even really anybody in an attacking sense that can actually give him proper support. So for him to do that and to, you know, he didn't didn't have a brilliant start to the campaign before before January, but he's, I don't think he necessarily was playing that badly. He's just somebody who had to do a, a lot more for the team rather than kind of get into the positions where he, he's going to score goals. So yeah, he's my number eight. What is your number eight? My number eight is, again, it's, uh, most of these players on the list are a big fan of... Uh, Few, I'm um, uh, a bigger fan than this player who probably I would have thought he'd been higher the uh, higher up the list, but just because of the talent ahead of him is Ross Stewart. Oh wow, I don't have him at all. Oh what? What? Ross County's Ross Stewart. Ross County's Ross Stewart. Hmm. Maybe I've just not seen enough of him. Uh, but he was he was briefly considered mine, but I just, uh, so what number eight? Number eight, yep. Give us, give us your Ross Stewart case. I, just going back to, I talked about him on a view for the terrace, but I'm an absolute, a massive fan. He was someone that when I seen, uh, just take, just took one look of him in the championship and just wrote him off. Just look, he just looked so awkward. He just looked like uh, he would. He just looks like the type of player who you'd fire the ball up to the the ball would bounce off him. He was just gangly and like I said, just just awkward, but. He's came in, and what's probably worked slightly against him is he's he's had an injury recently, so he's he's kind of fallen, uh, kind of fallen out the um, consciousness. Yeah, kind of fallen out of consciousness. I think he missed about eight, seven or eight games with a hamstring injury from the start, uh, from kind of the winter break, but. And he was kind of all, uh, hampered by. He sometimes played out wide despite his size by uh, Kettlewell and Ferguson. But he took to the Premiership really well, scored, I think he scored five goals in his first uh, seven or eight league games. Yeah, to be what fair, really... I, I wasn't actually aware that he'd got 11 goals so far this season in all comps. Mm-hmm. Uh, four and f- four starts in the League Cup and seven goals in 19 starts, 21 games in the league. Yeah. I've just never... I know he's an awkward customer, I know he's tricky. I just, I just don't really... I don't like him as much as... It's just not. I just don't like him as much as most of the strikers on this list, and I I kind of see him as a discount version of our striker that we're going to get to a little later on. Kind of I like feel awkward. Uh, can hold the ball up a bit, but to me, not as good at holding it up. Not as much of a goal threat. Not as good as a footballer. Not as good a goal scorer. Just not as good. I think I might know the the player on about, but I, yeah, there's I think there's aspects of uh, Stewart's game that he needs to work on. But I really like I think he's I think he's great in there because again you get that uh, you get those strikers who when you knock up to them and they weirdly become smaller, they don't really yeah. attack the ball. Uh, he does. I think he's got a, he's got a great spring. He's quick and he uses his, he uses his limbs and his awkwardness really well. I, I like that. So he doesn't. Um, it's, you might see it might see players try to um, kind of uh, try and shy away from their uh, using their limbs and looking awkward. I think he he kind of just goes with it, and 
a big thing for him is that because he can play a wide, he's he's got real. I think he's got a good game intelligence. I think he's got good awareness of um, what to do when playing wide, and that will help him probably in the long run when he is a uh, fully a striker. But when he has played in an attack, I really like these different finishes. Like I said, good in there, so he can uh, head him, and he's he's got good composure. He is. Like I said, there's there's bits of work to do, but I think um, I think with a bit more with a bit more physique, he can be an even more dominant striker, like ones who we're about to come on and talk about. Yeah, so we'll just go to them now. My number seven. Now my number seven, and number six. I'd imagine you're the same. It's two players, and I found them quite hard to separate. So I'm not entirely set on one being ahead of the other. I can easily be convinced either way. So, but at number seven, I've got Sam Cosgrove. Okay, I've got Christian Deutsch. Right, and at number six, have you got Sam Cosgrove? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got Deutsch at six. So, yes, basically, yeah, I just find it hard to, I mean, this was one I, I tried not to let uh, kind of recency bias come into this because I wondered if Cosgrove had kind of finished uh, the you know, the almost season in, in the man where he started it, I would have him ahead of Dodge, you know, possibly. Uh, the fact that he didn't play necessarily that well, I think. You know, he's dropped for Curtis Main, which, I mean, should go against you. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he, I think he only scored like twice in his last 10 or 11 games before before the season shut down. So there is that. But uh, the, the added factor, uh, so it wasn't just recency bias, was the fact that there's been a, a lot of time over Sam Cosgrove's career at Aberdeen would have thought, I'm still not really sure about you. Now, that had kind of washed away uh, at the start of this season with Thunder. He, he, is a, he is a very good player. He was seeming to get, he was seeming to move around the pitch a lot more swiftly, uh, he, he, more purpose to his game, showing more than just being a, a big guy, a big target man who could also find the back of the net. You know, all of a sudden, having, having never done that in his entire career before he arrived at Aberdeen, and even you know, for the first year, I think, nearly, after... Uh, pitching up at Pataudry, still barely scored and then just seemed to score all the time. But, I don't know, there's just some aspects about him that I, I just can't quite take to all the time. And I think of the two players, uh, him and Dodge, I'd, if I had to go for one for one game, I think I'd still go for Dodge. Uh, but there's not a lot in it. No, there's not. What came down to me again is the Dodge isn't over a full season. So had Cosgrove did it last season. He's uh, again I quite like like his story, how he's how he's he came to Aberdeen, hadn't hadn't scored, really struggled, and then he just hurt the hit up a purple patch and gained that confidence. Because you look at him, he's got all the attributes to be a dominant striker. I don't think he uses them as wisely as he has has um he should. He should. I think there's, there's no certain Aberdeen fans who that, that have, is that's a good point. The Derris McKinnis factor is always a good point. Yes, uh, but no. But I also don't think he he's made the most of his um, his physical attributes, and I still think he can he can be a good player. But he seems to what Rob shoots me sometimes is he seems to lose focus, and when the ball goes up, to maybe not be in the right position, or can he just be on his heels? Which I think, and he's he's kind of. Um, his, his his manner, his attitude, or uh, his, his body language uh, sometimes suggests that he is uh, he's not really up for up for the game. Yeah, because there are games where he doesn't really do much. He, he doesn't really see him often, and mm. a player of his stature and the kind of way Aberdeen play with him, you should be seeing him in every single match. You should at least, even if things maybe don't come off for him, he should at least be standing out from the crowd. And he does have games where that doesn't happen. 
He is. He should look to Lyndon Dykes and take a lot uh, from his game in terms of his attitude. I think that's. I generally think that could be the, the the thing that separates these two players is overall is his is his attitude. He's edged out Christian Doyle just because Doyle just hasn't had the full season. Remember, to begin with, he's, he missed a lot of chances. But equally, to begin with, I was really impressed with his all-round game. Yeah. I was really impressed. We both watched Doidge in clips before we, uh, just after Hibs had signed him. And I think both of us were quite suspicious of it. We thought he might score goals, but offer very little else. It was the opposite to begin yeah. with. He, he did a lot of really good work outside the box. I mean, his assist for Scott Allen in the first game against St Mirren was, was, was lovely. It showed that touch. And now you see the, the striker that we probably thought we were getting. He's a bit... Um, He's a bit uh, rough and ready when it comes to finishing. Some of his finishes are, are, are really, really scrappy, but he gets into really good positions. He uh, gets a lot of touches in the box. He's heavily involved in Hibs' play. And I've, I've been overall really impressed with him. I'd, like I said, I would, I would happily bump him up the, the list as well. Really strong runner in behind as well, which makes up for the fact that he's not the quickest striker. Is that mm. he gets a he gets a kind of it's like the old timers that talk about if you ever play like five a side with somebody who's like in their fifties who used to play you know football or even play like juniors or stuff and they're the best player in the park because they've got that extra couple of yards in their mind that even though you're young and running about you don't have, and that's kind of what Deutsch has. He's not fast, but he, he manages to get space in behind and, and cause the defenders problems that way because his his timing is just very very good. He's also, I wouldn't say he's necessarily, he's not a target man in the traditional sense in terms of back, backing a defender, holding it up kind of thing. But what he is good at is linking with teammates with his back to goal. And he does that very effectively as well. And he can't really, it's hard to ignore his ridiculous goal scoring rate ever since he got off the mark. It's yeah. He, incredible. One thing that's probably underestimated is he's, he's, he uses his body really well. Like I said, he's, he's not got his, he's not as... Uh, physical or muscular as Cosgrove and Dykes, but he uses his body smartly. And I think if we want to talk about something good about Cosgrove, just, you know, massive, uh, like I said, it seems to have improved his uh, mobility uh, while he's progressed at Aberdeen. He also scores a lot of goals. A lot of them are penalties, but uh, as I've said uh, quite a few times, as a Hearts fan over the last, you know, five to ten years, somebody who dispatches penalties with regular ease, uh, it's, it's not something that should be it's a skill. Yeah, it's a skill. Especially these days when so many strikers just kind of opt to like roll it in one direction. And it's like if the goalie goes that way, very little chance they're not saving it. Yeah. Right, so on to my number five. Now, I'm going to be interested if you, because you really like this guy. I, I like him as well, but I don't know whether you've pushed him into... The god tier. So at number five, I've got Lyndon Dykes. This was my hardest, hardest decision with this with this list because I automatically wrote down, um, obviously, Morelos and Edward, and I thought, right, Dykes is going to be, be third. But then you remember, would, Lee Griffiths and Jermaine Defoe are really, really good strikers. So I'm afraid, I've, 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 like you, I have settled on London Dykes for, for number five. In terms of my favourite players, he would be certainly in the top three. Like when I'm just talking favourite players and players I like to watch. But yeah. As again, this is a player who's had one season, not even one full season at Premiership top flight. But what a season he's just been! He has been the, one of the signings of the season. He just transformative to Livingston when you consider what the the, the players that left. And if you wanted to 
kind of build. We, we do it on A View From The Terrace there, uh, Frankenballer. If yeah. you wanted to build the perfect striker for Livingston, you'd build someone like Lyndon Dykes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dykes, like I've, I've mentioned before, he's, he's one of these forwards, it's a phrase I like to use, basically. It's a forward that's got his own orbit, basically. Mm. He's just knocked the ball in his kind of general direction, and he's just, he's not only big, he's not only quite fast as well, he's, he only has all the physical attributes, what I meant. He, he also works really hard for, he battles hard, he, he's fearless, uh, and he's... He's fearless, he's selfless, so he'll do a lot of fighting for the team. And whenever you can just knock it to him, then you'll know that he's doing all that he can to make the ball stick and to bring his team up the park. Like I say, he's also fast as well, so it means that he can get defenders turned and motor away for them. And as he was kind of known before he came to Livingston, he's a very good facilitator as well. The, the surprising thing for the season has been he's also been a good goal scorer. And some of, the goals some of the goals he scored have been really, really nice finishes that, again, you probably didn't expect him to have. Go back to something I said earlier on in the show. Just got a fantastic, fantastic attitude, that will to win. You can tell that he really enjoys being on the football, uh, football pitch. You can tell that he really enjoys winding players up as well because he's had a run-in with uh, Celtic and Rangers players, I think. Nicola Cattage, uh, praise him, said he's, uh, he's got the ability to get to a kind of Morelos level. So I'm really, really interested to see if he does move on for Livingston, where his next move would be and how he does um, and, and, and how he does uh, progress. But yeah, I, I think he's brilliant and, uh, I think Blair Newman wrote uh, a piece on him uh, a few, a couple of months ago, and it was really good. Just looking at how intelligent he is as a as a striker without the ball as well. So I'd nearly put Dykes at number four, but uh, when I was looking at this next player, I thought, well, he's kind of dropped off a bit. Is he is he still that good? And then I actually looked at the stats, and he'd like scored three goals in his last seven games. So I was like, well, that's still pretty good. <laughs> Not all like important goals as well. So my number four is Jermaine Defoe. Same. I think we're are we just maybe going to match each other all the way up. I think so. I think yeah. so. Right, yeah, Defoe is... I mean, I see what you, you said about Dykes in terms of a much more kind of fun player to watch. Uh, mm. Defoe at this point in his career, he kind of plays in the periphery of the game a lot of the time, but that that's fine. It, it, it allows him to, to do what he's best at doing, and that's, you know, find space in the box and finish. And... I mean, he's not just that. He, he does link up the play fairly well. You just don't notice him a lot of the time, especially compared to, well, pretty much everybody else in this top uh, 12, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you probably see him the least until he's hurting you the, the most. His goal-scoring record this season has been really strong, uh, despite the fact that he's had to play in fits and starts. He's also showed, I think, in, he's even scored a couple in Europe, I think, so he shows that he's still got it's not just the fact that he's playing in Scotland that's allowing him to do this. He's still got enough left in the tank, despite his age, uh, to, to perform at a, a, a level arguably higher than our one. And there's not really much more to say about him. He's, he kind of, he somehow, after even after a kind of shaky start, he managed to live up to the hype. Maybe not quite, but at least came very close to doing so. Yeah, the... You talk about you talk about uh, strikers being streetwise, so like kind of Morelos and like Dyke kind of streetwise, where where they kind of play on the edge and uh, rough up defend, like kind of rough up defenders, or just basically the the kind of players just play on the edge. But Defoe's a kind of different streetwise uh, striker, is that he's just so so intelligent. He's, he must he probably is the the most intelligent striker in in, in Scottish Premiership. The 
the ability just to be kind of, like I said, play on the periphery, play on the, the, the shoulder of the last man. You know where he wants it. He wants it played into his feet so he can back in and uh, certainly back in so he gets into the 18-yard box and, and, and has a shot. The, uh, the big thing from him is he's just, he's just ruthless. He's just a very, very good striker. Okay, my number three is Lee Griffiths. Yes, yes. Uh, I've I've begun to um, listen to Lee Griffiths' Simon Ferry interview. I thought it was really, really good. It was really interesting. The and he, he went to see, it shows Lee Griffiths Lee Griffiths is, uh, in a new light as well. Seems like a, a a decent person despite some off-field incidents in the past. Yeah, I've I've started to check that out, but I will do so very soon. Look at this. I I wondered whether I thought about it for a second. I didn't think about it for that long, but I did wonder. The full head of Griffiths. If, if you put together their kind of body of work over the last uh, well year, pretty much uh, well fourteen months, maybe mm-hmm. uh, when the full started to kind of hit a bit of form for Rangers after an initial kind of slow start to signing, you would say that the full's you know done better than Griffiths overall. Griffiths obviously had his off-field issues but even before then there was a kind of a few niggling injury woes and he's not really been at his best for quite a while but it did look like he was getting back to that before the shutdown and I think that says a lot it says that he's he's getting over he's at least doing his best to to fight off off the off-field problems and the injury problems and he's starting to look like Lee Griffiths did look like before all this kind of before it started to go south for him at Celtic and that player just does more than Defoe. He can do Defoe's job uh, in terms of being that goal scorer, being the the assassin in the final third. Mm-hmm. But he, he does more. Uh, otherwise, the, he's, he does more work outside the box. He that's well, that's pretty much it. just like a, as a broad spectrum. I know that's not really part of Defoe's game, and like you say, he's an intelligent player. But I just prefer somebody like Griffiths who kind of insists himself on proceedings more. Yeah, I think he took big strides in partnering Odson Edward. That at times you thought they are two individuals playing as a pair, but the more they, the more that Lennon kind of persisted with them, there was there was more of an understanding, a partnership uh, really starting to build. I think that's ideal for ideal for Griffiths because when he first came at Hibs, I think he was playing. He would play alongside Gary O'Connor, so. You, you think of you think of Griffiths during his time at Celtic before like Dembele arrived and his time at Hibs where it was just like a, a one man force an attack where everything just seemed to go through him. But you think okay, put a striker up there with him, it might take take away the ball from him. But more than anything, it should free him up. He was he was talking in an interview about playing at home against uh, teams, and he says it's so frustrating because you can't sprint in behind, you can't make runs because they sit so deep that when they come off the pitch, him and Edward have got the um, like the fewest sprints, and they get uh, they get mocked by the likes of uh, Brown McGregor. Griffiths over the over the piece has added to that, and I think he's just one of those players, like kind of like James Forrest as well, who's, who's continuing to develop uh, the more the older he gets. It's great to see him kind of come back and recover in such a way from his uh, mental health issues. Hit double figures in the league. He is again just just a really really good striker who um, who no matter uh, no matter what when he does play he'll, he'll get you. Um, he, he just a reliable source of goals. Number two, 
Alfredo Morelos. Yes. yes. I've, uh, <laughs> you're finally, you're eventually, finally. <laughs> I've eventually um, bumped them to number two. and there's, finally, um, You finally sold your condo on Morelos Island. You've taken that, yeah. that short hop over to Edward Island. No, I've, 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 re- I've invested in uh, Lyndon Dykes. Um, <laughs> Lyndon, what were we call You've got Dykes. a wee bungalow there. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I think... I mean, these two have gone back and forth. So... If they're both in Scottish football next season, I'd maybe doubt it. But if they are both here next time next season, Morelos is ahead of Edward. I don't think would be particularly surprised. They, they've kind of swapped places even throughout this season. Have you kind of asked at any one time who's better? Morelos really kind of came at the fore early in the campaign with his performances in Europe. Uh, since then, I think Edward maybe got it back a little with some of Celtic's showings kind of later in the campaign. Then... Edward kind of had the, well, he had a much better 2020 so far uh, compared to Morelos, who I think has only scored once in 2020, which, I mean, not to hold it too much against them, but when you're when you're talking about two strikers as talented as these two, it's sometimes just those those little things that, you know, seem so petty in, in the big picture, because strikers, all strikers go through barren patches, but at this moment in time, it's just got to be Edward on top, and for all, obviously, for all Manelis' good traits, the, the the absolute bullying he can do to defenders, and even some of the best defenders as, as witnessed in the Europa League, he his temperament does let him down quite a lot of time, and it still does. It, it's not quite to the scale of last season, where you know the infamous you know, five red cards? Was it four or five? Was it five? I think it was five. One got maybe got rescinded. Yeah, it was five. One got rescinded. Unfortunately, we just have to leave the podcast right there. I had some problems with my laptop. It kept crashing during the Zoom call. I have basically got problems with the laptop in general. So unfortunately, we weren't able to talk much about Odds and Edward. But we've, we've done that many a times. The guy is a phenomenal player. Uh, so cool under pressure. Uh, fast, big, really great footballer as well. You, you, you know all that jazz. So you're not really missing out on much. If you would like to hear more, though, about just well, anything Scottish football, pop culture, be sure to head over to Terrace Podcast uh, on the Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. And also, if you'd like to get in touch with us, the best place to do so is Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Terrace Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.